cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. like um, 
with Edwards, who is campaigning at the moment, John Edwards, who's got a face for every type of group that he's addressing, and he has a scriptwriter probably specializing in every group. So they know what script to write for the teenagers, the students, for the, the adults and the middle-aged and the very elderly. A different script for every, every type. And he'll tell them what I want to hear. Very old technique. But here is from the Associated Press. The writer's son, September the 2nd, and I'll read this. This little spiel that he gave out recently on September the 2nd to a crowd. I think it was in Iowa. Back after the following messages. Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows the war is over. Everybody knows the good guys lost. Everybody knows the fight was fixed. The poor stay poor. The rich get rich. That's how it goes. Hi folks, Alan Watt back here with Cutting Through the Matrix, talking about the, the farce we see every few years with the politicians doing their campaigning, their, their little acting part to get into, into the, 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 the bigger house. I don't know if it's the same in the United States, but you find in all Western countries, including Canada, a politician can get in for five years to get a lifelong pension. And that's not a bad deal, isn't it? Good work if you can get it. They get full benefits. They get an index-related pension for the rest of their lives. So the cost of living goes up, they get that going up too. And uh, it's no wonder you see that attract certain types of personalities into it. You can't really get honest people going in. But getting back to Mr. Edwards, it was a good study in, in the personality of the the politician with his promises. At this speech he gave in Iowa, a trip to Iowa, he said it requires, this is about his health care, he wants to make it universal but mandatory for everyone in the U.S. to be covered. So it requires that everybody be covered. It requires that everybody get preventative care. Very important to understand what he's saying here, preventative care. That means that you're going to be bossed around by various experts measured and weighed and examined whenever they say you must be. That's what that means. And he told this to a crowd sitting in lawn chairs in front of the Cedar County Courthouse. If you're going to be in the system, you can't choose not to go to the doctor for 20 years. Now, the thing is, you see, we're all in the system. We haven't been given a choice not to be in the system. You were born into the system. So he continues, you have to go in and be checked and make sure that you're okay. He noted, for example, that women would require to have regular mammograms in an effort to find and treat the first trace of the problem. Edwards and his wife, Elizabeth, announced earlier this year that her breast cancer had returned and spread. Now, you can, you can bet your bottom dollar, you see, his wife has been checked probably every few months for many, many years, and it didn't stop this from happening to her. And that's what they've also found in studies in Canada and other countries, but they keep doing it because it's a big business, you see. And it also trains the public to obey and come in be terrified they're always going to find something even though you might get the cancer a month after the test 
Edwards said his mandatory health care plan would cover preventative, chronic, and long-term health care. The plan would include mental health. Now, listen to this. <laughs> it would include mental health care as well as dental and vision coverage for all Americans. Now, remember, you've got to really analyze the wording because these characters who write the scripts are often lawyers, and there's another meaning behind it because we know they want to give everyone psychological examination on an annual basis, don't they? The whole idea is a continuum of health care, basically from birth to death, he said. Well, that was what they called socialism as expert, uh, an expertly run society from cradle to grave, you see. The former North Carolina senator said all presidential candidates talking about health care ought to be asked one question. Does your plan cover every single American? Because if it doesn't, it should be made to explain what child, what woman, what man in America is not worthy of health care, he said. Well, they really cared up till now, right? Because in my view, everybody is worth health care. Edwards said his plan would cost up to $120 billion a year, a cost he proposes covered or covering by ending President Bush's tax cuts to people who make more than $200,000 per year. Now, when they brought in the income tax, the temporary tax, you see that you now have uh, intergenerationally now, it's permanent. They said the same thing then, it would only affect the rich would pay taxes. It's the same in Britain when they brought up the temporary war tax, which sort of stuck to the public ever since. It's never, it just doesn't die away. So once again, you're being conned and lied to because the rich never have themselves taxed. There's always a loophole put in there. This was found out, for instance, when the royal family admitted, only because there were some hounds on their tail to, to try and find the history of all the royalty that was being kept and supported by the British public. And they found that Prince Philip, that came from Greece, who married the Queen, had about 80 members of the family he brought over, and they were all getting about a million pounds per year at that time. That's a lot of money back then. And the public demanded, of course, that they either support themselves or, or do something for the money. And so the Queen proposed to have herself taxed, but she was getting massive grants from the government. The Man Alive program then did a, a little documentary on this very topic. And lo and behold, they went to the, the auditors that did the Queen's taxation and they couldn't get past the gate. And all the Queen's money and all the Queen's men simply worked through the Cayman Islands and all kinds of islands far away and tropical. So they always build in a loophole to it. And at least Elton John at the time uh, spoke on behalf of them and said, well, he says, they always make loopholes for we, the wealthy. He said, we never get, we never suffer. So this nonsense that the, those over $200,000 per year will pay for all the health care costs is absolute bunkum. The real reason is to get you all into this expertly run society, uh, a society where they're going to decide where they need you in the first place or you'll be aborted. It's a society where they want to have certain genetic types coming up, the preferable types, not the, the unpreferable types. You see, all the bad types. And they want to bring psychologists into it and genealogists into it. And they want to go through your hair for lice, and they want to weigh you to see if you're too heavy and make you exercise and put you on special diets. This is the new freedom. The new freedom, they call it, you see. And when you hear terms like new freedom, you better realize that they're redefining what freedom means. They never waste words, these characters, because as I say, they're lawyers. And lawyers study words. That's their job. And how they get round things by the use of words as well. 
and how to deceive by the use of words. It's no coincidence that a lawyer is awful close to a liar, is it? So there you go. So it doesn't matter whether it's Hillary or one of the other ones that pushes for this. This is the mandate, is to get everyone run by specialists from cradle to grave. Now, Britain was way ahead of this before any other country. And even when I went to school, they used to bring in the health authorities that would lock the door in the classroom. And they'd go through your hair and weigh you and measure you for your height. And they'd bring dentists in that would sit there and poke holes through your teeth and say you had cavities after they'd almost wrenched their whole weight down through your, your, your molars with these pointed spikes. And you had no say in the matter whatsoever. And then they came in with inoculations and locked the door and made you take all that too. You see, that's the new freedom that we got in Britain. Now it's to be spread to the world. Isn't that nice? We really are a bunch of schmucks. A real bunch of schmucks because whatever these characters propose to the public and the public go for always, you see, if it's free, is, is against... Uh, it's against what you think it is. It's not for the same purpose because they sell something for a good reason, but there's always a real reason. And you're never given the real reason until it's too late. That's the bottom line. So here they go with the circus, and that's all politics is. It's a circus with front men given their lines who do their acting and do public relations shots and pose for the cameras, shaking hands, and all that kind of stuff. And they go through this routine every few years. You'd think we'd be sick of it by now. You'd think we'd also be sick of, of, of being taken as suckers time after time because you never hear about the big, big agenda from these guys at election time. They never talk about the fact your factories are all, are all across in China and that these same guys and their fathers in politics were the guys who set all that up to happen. They don't talk about the unification of the Americas when they're running for, for, for office, do they? They didn't do that in Britain either or any other European country when they were merging those countries into the European Union. Same technique, same cons, and what's even more amazing, you see, is that the public don't think to ask the obvious questions because, you see, they have all these party um, followers that do it all for you, don't they? They're supposed to do all the questioning for you, but they don't. They don't. They talk about health care and social security and all this kind of stuff, or subsidies. Socialism works because the vast majority of the general public are children. The governments in ancient times had no qualms about discussing this fact that those who follow and do what they're told are basically children. Children don't want the responsibility of guiding their own lives and planning their own lives. It's too uncertain for them. They want reassurance, and so they get all these lies from the guys at the top who have no amount of lies they can tell you to make you happy and feel good. So you can continue allowing them to make all the big decisions for you. And since they do make all the big decisions for you, you literally have no say in, in the outcome. We haven't seen referendums, national referendums on, on the unification of the Americas. It hasn't happened, but it's underway. It's already a done deal. It's a done deal. It was a done deal before the last signing of the last agreement 
It was a done deal before I was born because the Council on Reform Relations wrote about it back in the 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s that this was the agenda. But then the general public don't like the bad news, do they? They want to live in Hollywood fiction rather than reality. They don't want to look at the negative. They want to look at the positive, and the positive is wish fulfillment. If we just wish about it, it will become all better. Just like Daddy taking that skin knee and kissing it, and it's all better. I'll be back after the following messages. Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows the war is over. Everybody knows the good guys lost. Everybody knows the fight was fixed. The poor stay poor. The rich get rich. That's how it goes. Everybody knows. Hi, folks. Alan Watt here with Cutting Through the Matrix and what a matrix it is. Many levels of it indeed. Most people are still down on the bottom, stuck on the floor. Some are just raised above the floor, trying to get something back which they never had. And others are floating near the top of the ceiling looking for the next level. This is an article that came out, which is appropriate for every country because we're, we've been international for a long time. This is from The Guardian Unlimited from James Orr. It says, Judge wants everyone in UK on DNA database. Wednesday, September the 5th, 2007. The entire UK population and every visitor to Britain should be put on the National DNA database, a top judge said today. Lord Justice Sedley, one of England's most experienced appeal court judges, described the country's current concern or system as indefensible. We have a situation where if you happen to have been in the hands of the police, then your DNA is on permanent record. If you haven't, it isn't. That's broadly the picture, said Sir Stephen Sedley to the BBC. It also means that a great many people who are walking the streets and whose DNA would show them guilty of crimes go free. He said that expanding the existing database to cover the whole population had serious but manageable implications. But he warned that putting everybody's DNA on file should be for the absolutely rigorously restricted purpose of crime detection and prevention. What a joke, isn't it? What a joke. They always have, again, a good reason, plausible reason, but then it's a real reason. Britain's 12-year-old DNA database is the largest of any country in the world, that's because it's the most democratic country in the world, growing by 30,000 samples a month. According to the Home Office website, 5.2% 5.2% of the UK population is on the database, compared with 0.5% in the US. The data is taken from criminal suspects, suspects now, that's not people who are guilty of crimes, or scenes of crime, and there are currently 4 million profiles held under the Criminal Justice and Police Act of 2001. Police are permitted to retain DNA samples from anyone charged with a crime. Previously, 
samples and fingerprints taken from those found not guilty or those who had their charge dropped had to be destroyed. Today, Shami Chakrabarti, the director of the human rights organization Liberty, warned against potential changes to, to how and when British authorities collected DNA data. The DNA date debate reveals just how casual some people have become about the value of personal privacy, she said. A database of those convicted of sexual and violent crime is a perfectly sensible crime-fighting measure. Is it really? Is it really, folks? You know? See, they always waylay you off the right or wrongs of it by giving you a, something partially plausible. A database of every man, woman, and child in the country is a chilling prospect, ripe for indignity, error, and abuse. A Home Office spokeswoman said the government had no plans to introduce a universal compulsory or voluntary national DNA database that's contradictory to what they just said. However, the department is currently undertaking a review of the Police and Criminal Evidence Act called PACE. I love these names, PACE, P-A-C-E, 1984, uh, which sets out the powers to take and retain biometric data. The DNA database has revolutionized the way the police can protect the public, protect, there you go, protect the public, to identifying offenders and securing more convictions, the spokeswoman said. A lot of these spokespeople for the government, the PR, public relations departments, who are lawyers, again using carefully chosen words, provides the police on average with around 300, 3,500 matches each month. She said final proposals on the review were due to be published in spring next year and would take accounts of the views received during the consultation as well as those of Lord Chief Justice Sedley. The Home Office Minister Tony McNulty told BBC Radio 4 programme today, I think we have broadly sympathetic we are broadly sympathetic to the thrust of what he, the judge, has said. So the Home Office, you see, is the Department of Homeland Security for Britain. They call it the Home Office in the UK. I have said that myself in the past that there is a real logic and cohesion to the point that says, well, put everybody on. But I think he probably does underestimate the practicalities, logistics and huge civil liberties and ethics issue around that. There's no government plans to go to a compulsory database now or in the foreseeable future. Now, that's not a lie because for the last 20 years they've been taking extra vials of blood from everybody who goes to a clinic for any possible problem, and it's been going into a DNA database. Canada did the same thing because four years ago, they showed us a brand new building built in Montreal for the the police of Canada, the RCMP, and it was all robotic arms coming down, taking out dozens and dozens of samples every fraction of a second. It could handle the whole country, and they tried to tell the public this multi-million dollar facility was for the occasional hardened criminal. We're such idiots, aren't we? The way, the way it's sold to us is it, just incredible how we swallow this utter tripe time after time and deny our own sensibilities. Back after the following messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Everybody knows that the dice are loaded. Everybody rolls with their feet. 
fingers crossed. Everybody knows the war is over. Everybody knows the good guys lost. Everybody knows the fight was fixed. The poor stay poor. The rich get rich. That's how it goes. Everybody knows. Hi, folks. Alan Watt back here with Cutting Through the Matrix. And just to continue with this article, it says, Responding to Lord Sedley's comments, Liberal Democrat Home Affairs spokesman Nick Clegg said, Whilst his total disregard for concerns about privacy and civil liberties is misplaced, at least he has the honesty to put forward a suggestion for a universal DNA database. This contrasts with the government's cloak-and-dagger strategy of creating a universal database behind the backs of the British people. Now, they wouldn't do that, of course, because the same people who unified Britain with Europe and lied to them for 40 years while doing so, of course, they wouldn't lie to you about this now, would they? Information Commissioner Richard Thomas told Today, that's, I guess, the name of the paper, I think we have to think very long and very hard before going down the road of a universal DNA database. There are some risks involved. This approach can be really intrusive. It raises really fundamental questions about how much the state or the police knows about each of us. Well, the fact is they know pretty well everything, but not enough. You see, they won't be. They cannot have a safe society. If you understand how police are trained and the whole idea of law enforcement, that's what's called enforcement, is used, it goes right down to predictability. For safety, every single individual must be completely understood and they must be very predictable. Therefore, all information on you is completely necessary. It has no option but to go this route. This has been taught this way for many years now. So it's interesting as well. You take DNA and you take the Soros, like George Soros, you know, that means really serpent or flying dragon in Greek. So you put DNA with Soros and you put dinosaurus. So maybe we're all going the same way as dinosaur. Maybe that's the whole point of DNA. There's also a report came in that Air France is going to try biometric boarding cards. This French airline Air France at Wednesday planned to trial on biometric boarding passes that will allow passengers to be fast-tracked through airports using a scan of their fingerprints. It's also doing the iris scan too. Passengers who volunteer to take part in the pilot scheme volunteer from the end of 2007 will be asked to load a digital record of their index print into an individual chip card, your France officials told a press conference. Now, the reason I'm reading these things is because, you see, whatever happens in one country is already underway in every country. That's the point of it. They've got to stop thinking that these are local laws or national laws over there. These are international laws because every country in the West that signed the agreement under NATO and also under the anti-terrorism laws put all of this on, on basically on the, the board, that they all have the same agenda because it is the one agenda and every country in the West is in on it. It says here now, using scanners and dedicated check-in lanes, biometric card holders will be able to print out their own boarding pass 
and board the plane via an electronic gate that checks the match between the fingerprint and the one on the card. The scheme will initially be trialled for two months among 1,000 Air France staff on Paris-Amsterdam service to be extended to 2,000 frequent flyers on the same route. If the tests are successful, the biometric cards will be offered between 10 and 15% of Air France customers either as a frequent flyer perk, so that's how they do it, or a paying premium, which could also be used to control access to rental cars or hotel rooms. The same trick that they used in the stores to get you all to use the cashless society when they offered you the store card. The same idea. And if you don't use a store card in a grocery stop, they penalize you by charging you extra. That's what it is. They're not really giving those with the card a discount. They're, they're really just charging the ones who don't use the card and the one who use cash. They're charging them extra. This is a simple Pavlovian training of punishment and reward. Very, very simple. And it's amazing how cash works with people so, so easily. They'll save a few pennies here and there and allow the government to know everything that they purchase, including what they eat and what their little likes are and so on. They don't seem to mind that. And that's how far down society has gone in a span of 20 years. Because at one time, people wouldn't even ask or answer questionnaires or any polls that came around. They were paranoid of them, and rightfully so, because people fought wars in the past for privacy, complete privacy. Whatever you did within your own home and your realm that didn't offend anyone else or hurt anyone else was okay. Not anymore. The government wants to know everything you're doing, buying, eating, and all the rest of it. This is the total. This is total quality management here. That's what it is. And how many people have you heard in your own lives who say, "I don't mind. I've nothing to hide." Well, those guys, you see, have lost their ability for survival because the right to privacy is a natural instinct for survival, personal survival. The happy slaves, on the other hand, will go along with anything. And they don't care who has any information on them as long as they can play in their own little circle on the end of that piece of string that goes round and round the pole. That's what they, they really are. Most folk, unfortunately, as we all know, are gone. So those who are awake have two problems. They have the elite to contend with, knowing what all the con games are, where they're heading and all the rest of it but they also have the vast majority of the population going along with the two. So you have to contend with the dead, the land of the dead. That's what it meant in all ages. Because most people are never truly conscious throughout their whole lives in any age. And that's a fact, folks. That is a fact. They might be nice people. They might say and do the things that you do, but really they're not conscious. And you find out when they end up taking all these cards and all the perks that are offered to them that they're not conscious and that they don't care. That's what stuns you the most. They really don't care. So, yeah, you do have the elite with their agenda and all the think tanks they use. You have all the forces that are geared up to be used shortly on the public when chaos is planned to, to occur. And you've got the vast majority of the public who will be used under democracy to force you, the minority, along with them. That's why they chose democracy. It's not mob rule. It's just that the elite can count on the mob to do what they're told. And 
those who don't do what they're told will say, what's wrong with you? No one else is complaining. That's how democracy works. This was explained thousands of years ago by philosophers in Greece. You should also check out the history of ancient China, because ancient China had tried out communism, socialism, fascism, dictatorships, 3,000 years ago, and recorded all of it and how it worked, and how they introduced it to the people, and how they changed it into the next phase, and so on. There's nothing new under the sun, because all of these isms are formulas, formulas which work because nothing on the planet has been so well studied as man himself. People in all ages will react the same way to the same stimuli and can be made to do the same things if the right formula is introduced in the proper sequence. That's how simple it is. Read Plato's Republic and read the other philosophers too of ancient Greece and you realize they knew all this stuff then. And this science is taught to an elite crowd in all countries. The science of governance, they call it, as opposed to government. The best governed people are those who really don't know. They're being forced along a certain route. You think it's all evolving naturally and that they have something to do with it. That's the best form of government. And the best slave that they can have is the one who doesn't know he or she is a slave. To get people to go along with a particular agenda, you must come from a particular tangent that the average person, with the logic they use, would never see coming. When you want to reduce a population, you must create a problem of population or unwanted children. Therefore, you actually create promiscuity and push it. The unwanted children come along, the abortions are demanded, you start reducing the population. You dehumanize the public. That's how you do it. You give, you push the very thing that you're, you're targeting and telling them that you're going to free them up by giving them all these rights and new rights and freedoms. That's how you do it. Joe Average doesn't realize that. He thinks everything's happening for his or her benefit. Never realizing there are very clever minds, very intelligent minds, with masses of documentation and all these formulas that will get you to do what they want you to do. How many people have already fallen for the free nonsense, the free flu shots, the free this, the free that? In Canada, the IDA grocery store was given out free flu shots with every $10 worth of groceries. The thing is, you could have walked into any clinic and got it for free anyway without buying the groceries. Everybody gets in on the act. That's how it's done. They promote it. And I've talked to so many people, especially the elderly, who took these shots and came down with not only the flu, but pneumonias. One classic example was of a, a guy I know, and his mother ended up in the hospital. He'd warned her not to take it, and she ended up in, in intensive care. When she was recovering, he went to see her and says, well, I guess you won't be taking that shot again. And she said, well, well, I don't know. There's some people you just can't help. 
because they can't believe for an instant that all these people who are supposed to be there, these angels of mercy, are there. They couldn't, they couldn't do anything nasty to them. And so they'll do it again. They'd never learn. That's the power of conditioning. And pretty well everyone in the system in which we live has accepted the world as it's been presented or downloaded into them through masses of propaganda, masses of fictional propaganda and dramas and movies. And then they know themselves, if they do start to question one part of this matrix, it might unravel the whole reality they've come to believe in. Most people can't do that and won't do that. That's also a decision that they have come to. Most of the phone calls I get are from people who have a hard time waking up the people around them. They always start with a wife or a husband or a brother or a sister. And they spend so much energy trying to deprogram them and make them see sense. And what I try to tell them to do is don't waste your energy on those who have decided, and it is a decision, to remain in the land of the dead. That is a choice that they have made. And you have to respect that choice. They, no one could possibly ever say they didn't know. They don't know all the details, but they can't say they didn't know what was happening. They choose not to know all the rest of it. Respect that choice and save yourself some heartache and look for those who are trying to learn and who are asking questions and feed them the information gradually and carefully then you get a, a sense of accomplishment instead of frustration to try to save those who are nearest and dearest to you. They say the birds of a feather flock together, and it's very true. Humanity is a gregarious creature. It likes to form groups and organizations that it joins because that's what it wants its worldview to be. They want sameness. They want uniformity, one form whether they're coming from the left, the right, the top, or the bottom, or from the diagonal, they still want everyone in their group to look, be, dress, and speak the same as they do. That's the sad fact of humanity. They'd rather be in large groups rather than be individuals. In fact, groups can't really tolerate individualism at all. Even those who think they're rebelling against a system or even those in the gender wars who, who join their group are now, they've just lost their individuality by doing so. Now they'll be used for political purposes and they'll never really fathom out the bottom of it for themselves. Every group is used because it's far easier, according to Arnold Toynbee and others who are master, were masters at this whole technique, far easier to control vast groups of people than the occasional individual that thinks We have one crack at the world, and you're in it right now. You have to use it for the best purposes you possibly can. And be content with the fact that most people will use their life to simply play, enjoy themselves, allow someone else to be slaughtered somewhere else with their tax money. And that is their decision. For those in religion, 
they always hope that everyone gets their just rewards. But again, there's no proof that that happens, is there? Especially when you look at the elite and their genealogies that go back for thousands of years and how they intermarry down through the centuries. They marry power, wealth, and keep it all in the families. And they seem to be doing pretty good. They don't seem to be suffering. They don't seem to be too worried either. So what you do in this life is important because you can change it for the future for those yet to come. A sad comment on the world right now is that most people are so hedonistic they don't care about those who are young or those who are yet to be born. They really don't care as long as they can get to a pensionable age and go fishing and put their feet up and die before the worst of the you-know-what hits the fan. That's the reality of most people. So I don't talk to most people. I talk to those who have something called spirit. That's the animating force in them. They have something that others don't. In many, many ancient holy books, they mentioned it in many ways. Those creatures of instinct were those who simply were earthbound. They loved the world, the things of the world, pleasure, fun, and they didn't want any big problems to deal with. Nothing really has changed along that way. But with some people, they have heart and compassion. You don't realize that compassion is a survival mechanism for everyone. When there's no compassion there, then a species is doomed. It can't survive because whatever is knocking off those guys over yonder will have it. Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows the war is over. Everybody knows the good guys lost. Everybody knows the fight was fixed. The poor stay poor. The rich get rich. That's how it goes. Everybody knows. Hi. Alan Watt back here with Cutting Through the Matrix now. Before the show is up, I should mention that I don't get paid for the shows I do. Never have from any of the radio or television shows. I do this because I feel a need to do it. Because I'm doing something that is right. And for those who wish to help me keep going, they can certainly donate money, look into the website. For those who don't have the books and CDs and DVDs I have for sale, look them up and put in an order that keeps me going, that keeps me coming back with this information. Now, it's not a rah-rah, cheerleading-type conversation I have because I leave the good endings and happy endings to Hollywood writers. That's what they've trained you all in. People always look for the happy ending. Meanwhile, they do nothing to help it come about. They expect someone else to do it for them. And the reason I do speak out to those who can understand and who are looking and who are questioning is because it doesn't take a lot of people to at least sway the course we're on. That's how history has been thwarted in the past. The agenda would have been here long ago if the occasional people, the right people here and there, hadn't deflected the agenda. 
you realize they wanted a global government. At the end of World War I, they wrote about it at the top. Many lords at the British and the British government and establishment wrote that they need a world war to bring in global government and bring the public of all countries to their knees under a new scientific type of dictatorship. Of course, they are a benevolent dictatorship according to themselves. The psychopaths always rationalize what they do under benevolence. The few, always in all ages, can deflect this. The side effect for the general bulk of the population is that they can come through into a new society or a different way and at least keep their toys and their happiness and their customs, etc., until the society becomes totally corrupted again. And it's just a cycle we, we keep going through. The psychopaths in all countries and all nations have run the world for a long, long time. They always get to the top by their very natures. They're addicted to power. They're attracted to it like a magnet. And they go for it. And that's why we get the same MO all down through history of totalitarianism at every step of the way. The problem today is we're at the very end of a phase of this that took centuries in the planning, by the way, to bring about. And so they've corralled most of the world's population into a mindset of compliance, passive compliance with everything. They've trained them not to participate in anything except the programs that they do encourage, like jogging in the streets and big, big crowds, etc., but not to participate in the direction of society as such. It took training to make that happen, and most of the public are quite content with it. They're content to be happy slaves. So for those who are not, tune in again on Wednesday, and we'll go further into this technique of mind control for the masses. From Hamish, my dog, and myself up here in Northern Ontario, it's good night, and may your God or your gods go with you.